This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c so how can we merge this digital well-being and what are the implications as far as mental health well-being? So I was like, how do we go after those early years, right? When their children are young and really preserve the early years. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Pete's Doc Talk podcast, a podcast that keeps growing because of you and your reviews. So thank you for tuning in and being here today. Today's guest is Penny Marenge. She is a nurse practitioner passionate supporter of the early years of childhood development, and very passionate about digital wellness. She is on Instagram as screens underscore n underscore kids. And she's coming on today to talk all about how to balance the convenience of screens with your child's health and development. Penny, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you, Dr. Mona. I am so delighted to be here. Thank you so much for having me and um, for providing this platform. I'm happy to be here. Well, I love talking about screen time because I think it's obviously something very useful in our you know, generation. Um, but I am very obviously very open about talking about limitations, making sure that we're creating screen time rules. For anyone who hasn't listened to episode 111, I actually had a eye doctor on where we talk about the importance of balancing screen time with visual health. But me and Penny are talking about why it's important to balance the convenience of screens with child development and why we don't want to overuse the convenience. Um, Because I know sometimes we get used to that and we want to do it. And this is a very open conversation from two moms who are trying to navigate this pandemic. And, you know, whenever you're listening to this, it's very hard to, um, you know, navigate all of these things and decisions that we make, but we want to make the best choices to balance development. So tell me more about yourself, Penny, and what brought you to be so passionate about digital wellness for families? Yeah, absolutely. So just like you said, I am just a mom, just like right there in the trenches. My daughter is three, my son is five, and we, and I'm married to my husband. We currently live in Ontario, Canada, So for me, a lot of it was just trying to come online and kind of trying to see. So I think around 2019 was when I started Screens and Kids. So my son was three at the time. And I kind of noticed I was just like so dependent on screen time. It would be so bad. Like it would be, okay, okay, Mm -hmm. eat honey. Um, It's time to have dinner. And he would be just eating, watching his, I don't know, cocomelon, whatever it was. And I would have made this huge, beautiful gourmet meal. And he would just eat the whole thing without even recognizing what he's eating. So I kind of went online and I started researching and looking like what's out there? What's supporting for parents? Like what are the things that I should be doing or shouldn't be doing as far as screen time? So in 2019, towards the end, 
I started the online platform just kind of as a place I would post a picture, a quote, like to encourage parents, like, huh, what can we do differently? So that was my personal journey with Screens and Kids. But professionally, I work by day as a mental health nurse practitioner with adults, just navigating their well-being journey. Um, And these are clients who are just navigating their mental health struggles. And I've done this for almost eight years. And in my work, a lot of what I would hear was, you know, when I was younger, this and this happened. So for me, looking at how digital technology now came into the picture, I was like, okay, so how can we merge this digital well-being and what are the implications as far as mental health well-being? So I was like, how do we go after those early years, right, when their children are young and really preserve the early years? So that's why Screens and Kids, our mission is preserve the early years. And preserve is from the Latin word preserver, which means keep from harm. So I'm just so passionate about those early childhood years. How can we shift the focus, really shift the focus from screens and shine a light on the other things that are being displaced by screen time, you know, like their play, their time outdoors, those social interactions. So I think for me, it was more taking down the guilt that has, it's as a parent, you're like, oh my gosh, I want to be with you, but I have to be on this Zoom call. But really, how can we just coexist with digital technology? So that's when I went on Instagram in 2019. Really, it was December, right before the pandemic. And then now we are two years in. And um, so always just researching, finding the data that's out there and presenting it in a way that a mom or a dad who's just trying to make dinner and um, trying to figure out and go through the data, the science that's out there in a way that's palatable and you can relate and give practical tools and how to manage digital wellness. So I guess for me, all that to say, you can find me at the intersection of digital technology and mental well-being. And I love that. I love that you actually work with adults. Um, That is an amazing perspective because I also, in my training, working with older children, obviously I don't work with adults, but I work with kids as old as 21. Mm -hmm. I see, you know, how we can go down to the, you know, early years and how important that is for parents to know how they're teaching principles to their children, the conversations they're having. And this is not only just about screens and me and you both know that it's about how we look at our body image, how we talk about relationships and emotions and so many other things. But, you know, screens have become, like we talked about, such an Mm -hmm. important part of our lives. And I do believe that they have a place in our lives, but they definitely need to have some boundaries and limitations. So, in your you know, feeling and what you kind of educate on your platform and just from what you see, mm-hmm. how can we create some common sense rules? And what are those things that you mentioned that you want to preserve? And maybe even diving into that mental health piece, why you think maybe screens have an impact on the mental health piece as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, I kind of try and use the term screen time rules sparingly, because for one, it kind of creates those opportunities for guilt and shame, because as a parent, you start now counting screen time minutes, right? So, and also no two kids are affected the same by screen time. So even twins, right? So studies have shown one twin will be easily walk away, but the other will be like able to just have a difficult time transitioning. So what applies also in one home may not apply necessarily in the other home and for different reasons. So socioeconomic factors as a single parent, so navigating the weather. So but for me, I think looking at it more so as what are the things that we could be doing on a day to day basis that can really 
shift the focus from screen. So I always go back to the spoil analogy, and this was developed by um, Dr. Megan Owens. So these are five things, and it's the S-P-O-I-L. And the first one is social. Number one, you want to invite them into your world. And this could be simple. They could help make dinner. And I know it's messy. For me, it induces anxiety, actually. When my daughter is there, she's trying to bake a cake. I'm like, okay, okay, honey. So S is the social. So what are the things that they can contribute to in the home? Take out trash. Kids love to contribute. I think it's just human nature. They want to feel their role in the family is valued. And as far as when they're infants, just smiling with them, engaging with them, um, facial expressions and all of that. So that's the S. And then the P is play. And you had a great guest last year, last episode, and it was wonderful. I just listened to it. So that's that unstructured play. That's child-led. It's minimal parent involvement. You know, let them do their work so that we can do our work. And then engaging with the outdoors. I always say co-parent with Mother Nature. And if it's infants, you know, in some of these countries like Sweden, they actually let their little ones nap outside the fresh air. And as they grow older, you know, you want to engage in those mini hikes. And then it's independent downtime. So that's the I, especially when they're transitioning from no naps. So just this past weekend, recently, I've just been noticing my kids, they are five and three. The naps are starting to be far and few between, especially in the afternoon. So what can we do to fill that time? And it could be just that independent play. I think we talked about this at the beginning with you before we started letting them just know how to be on their own. Um, and even giving their brain a chance to rest without constant direction or do this or interruption when they're just independent, letting them just be as on their own. And then the last one is L. So this is still that spoiled mnemonic. And that's the literacy. So the value, the reading aloud, reading books, making it fun. Uh, storytelling is also a big one. And it doesn't need to be fancy. I think just even making up stories. I've noticed my kids love those made up stories, especially at the dinner table. And I think it sparks that sense of imagination and wonder for them. But I think getting into now those, okay, what are some common sense things we can do with screen time on a day-to-day basis? I think just being mindful of the content, of course. So what are they watching? Is it age appropriate? Is it fast-paced? You want to really be mindful of how is this show set up? You want to be looking at um, the context. So that's the why. So is it a five-hour trip to school? So I would notice we had like two summers ago, we bought this like little minivan and it had this little DVD. My husband and I were so excited. Oh, we have a DVD. But I would notice the first thing my kids would get in the car and they're like, okay, mommy, TV, we want to watch. So we had to transition from that and really just, guys, enjoy the rainbow, enjoy the surroundings. So context, it's a five minute drive to school. Maybe we can, we'll be okay. Boredom is okay. As opposed to we just took a trip back and it was from Kenya and it was 17 hours We are not trying to be a screen time police there. So you kind of just want to be mindful of context. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs 
policies and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 and use code peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code peedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash peedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Um, and then the third one is child. Know your child. And like I said, no two kids are affected differently by screen time. And it just has to do with the wiring of how they are just like they, the children are. And then the fourth one is co-view, especially in those early years. You kind of want to ask questions when they're watching. Like for my daughter, I noticed she gets I would see her put her hands on her ears. So she would be like really terrified by like any show. So I think just being there, and I think it's not practical all the time. So one place you could really go is commonsensemedia.org. And if you have doubts, just kind of go and type in the show that you're like, huh, I want to put them on a show as I get on this Zoom call. Is it appropriate? And it has great tools for you. So co-viewing is so helpful. And I think it kind of asks, helps them, give them language. They ask questions. What would you do if this was yours, your situation? And then the last one is container. So that's the which device are they watching? And usually with this one, the farther away, the better. So um, I loved your guest, Dr. Wong. And she talked about those, that visual So with eyesight, it's not even that the blue light per se, as she talked about, it's more the distance from the eyes. So with container, the further away, the better. So like TV is good. And that way you reduce those back and forth, like, oh, okay, can I have my phone back? No, I want to finish the show. I think TV is good because it empowers them, gives them agency, like, okay, the show is done. Let's switch it off and let's transition to the outside as opposed to the phone, it's my phone, my iPad, my. So the further away, the better. I think, I don't know if that's helpful. Oh, I have so much. This is amazing. I love everything you've been saying because I think this is such important things that parents need to remember when they curate their screen time. I love what you said about not using the word rules and just kind of thinking maybe screen time philosophy, if mm. you will. What is your kind of like a parenting philosophy, right? I don't like saying I have these rules. I, I have a general philosophy on what I want to do with screens and what I want to do with my parenting. As Penny mentioned, the episode she's referring to is episode 111. That was what I mentioned with Dr. Wong about vision and screens. Episode 118, you talked about independent play and how to foster that. So 
that is such a key thing because I think what's happening in our generation is because screens are so convenient, we're not giving an opportunity for the boredom, for the independent play, because it's such an easy thing. And I don't know if you see this too with your own child. I think the critical age is between 12 months to 18 months because their attention span is very low. So you may think that they're getting bored. So then you offer the screen and now they're watching it for like five minutes and your parent brain is thinking, oh my gosh, I'm keeping them occupied. But that is when you actually don't want to introduce the screen. You actually want to try other things and then the screens can come, you know, naturally later. I introduced screens at 14 months. Um, and it's because I saw Ryan, um, you know, showing signs of joint attention. And like mm-hmm. you said perfectly, we used it for co-watching. Yeah. We would sit and watch a show together. And that mm-hmm. was really beneficial, which I do have an episode about co-watching. Um, if you search the podcast, everyone will link it to the show mm-hmm. notes. But all of those things are so important. And I think in my office too, I think one of the biggest struggles parents have is that they're like, well, now I've introduced this and it's just like, they want to watch it. And your strategies that you're mentioning, the choosing bigger screens, like the TV versus the cell phone. Can yeah. you elaborate more on behaviorally why mm-hmm. you think that is good? I already talked about it from a visual aspect with Dr. Wong, um, yeah. but why you think it matters? You mentioned it, and I think it's such a, a great point to elaborate on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So behaviorally, I think the biggest thing, you know, we hear a lot about that dopamine. We hear about, oh, what's this dopamine? So I think if you think about it from that perspective, so dopamine is that happy hormone. We feel good when we are out taking a run, when we are watching a show that's like, oh, that's exciting. So especially for kids in those early years, just the way you've said that critical age, 12 to 18 months, those neurons are forming, those important brain connections are forming. So that's when they watch a good show, they're having a good time. So now when you kind of say, okay, honey, it's time to eat dinner. They're thinking, uh, vegetables, or let's go out to walk. It's not as fun or as exciting as the online virtual. Uh, This show is so exciting. I mean, just think about it as an adult when I'm watching, I don't know, Bridgerton. I love Bridgerton. So I'm enjoying Bridgerton. Me too. Me too. (laughs) Time to go and go to work, go to punching your hours or go to do. I'm like, that's not fun. So you think about a little child, they don't have those breaks, those internal breaks, that prefrontal cortex, that part of the brain that says, hey, I think we've watched enough. We've done this. It's time to stop. So that's when you get into the, ah, bring back the phone. No, I don't want it. So they're crying because they don't have the language yet. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But they're not able to internalize and verbalize and say, okay, I've watched for an hour or two. So then we get into the, okay, you've had enough. Can I have my phone back? So then we go into the tantrums and the behaviors. So I think even having a script with preschoolers and younger ones, like, okay, honey, we're going to watch. When this show is done, we're going outside to play before even we watch. Or And then at that moment, really the transition. I think the transition part is always hard for parents. So always transitioning it into all right, let's go outside and play. Um, Then tomorrow, we're going to watch this show again. I know it's easier said than done, absolutely, but always preparing them. Kids need to know what's happening next. So absolutely, just like you've said, those early years, those brain connections are so important. So making the connections. Also, I think one of the things that I really talk about is when you start noticing we're getting into the habit. So it's morning, it's the first thing we need, we're switching on the TV, so their brain is getting that those wires like, oh, the thing I need in the morning is my morning show. 
And again, just being mindful. If it's been a rough night, no one slept, yeah. having colds, we're tired. I just need a nap on the couch. Absolutely fine. I think it's when we get into those, it's becoming a daily thing just to be mindful of and just to be kind to yourself. Yes, I completely yeah. agree. And it's again, that philosophy of what you kind of want to accomplish. And I think Penny, you're just so beautifully saying um, exactly what the goal here. I mean, the goal here is to also provide our children with developmental opportunities. You mentioned the children taking naps outside um, mm-hmm. in the fresh air. I mean, I loved my childhood for the blend of outdoor activity, creative play. And if we did watch screens, it was on a television. We didn't have devices back in the 80s and 90s. And that's the difference. You know, people often ask, well, we watch tons of screen time. Well, no, we actually only watch screens on a big television. But when we went out to restaurants, there was no screens. When we went out on a road trip, there was no screen. You brought that example up of you going on a road trip. You know, I have created the screen time philosophy for our family that many other families may not agree with or have, you know, do for themselves. But one of the biggest ones is for road trips. We don't use screens. And I kind of made that rule for us just because I looked at our childhood and how much we got out of a a road trip experience from my dad and mom talking to us and trying to make, you know, we look at the clouds outside. And I remember like from my childhood having to figure out like, what does that cloud look like? It looks like Mm -hmm. a bunny or it looks like a butterfly or let's play a road trip game. Right. I mean, that's, those kind of things are very important for children and for, you know, but like you said on airplanes, yeah, Yeah. I'm going to use screen for (laughs) sure on a 17 hour road trip or on a 17 hour plane ride. Absolutely. On a five hour plane ride, I use screens, right? Because Mm -hmm. that's the philosophy that we decided, but it's really coming to say like, and sometimes it means looking back at your childhood and saying, hey, what did work or what didn't work um, and what moments really brought you joy? And I think you can probably do the same and say, yeah, I loved having those moments with my dad and mom in the car when they probably were tired and probably wanted to just be quiet. But they actually did make up a fun, silly, stupid game. But I remember that as an adult and I remember loving that moment, you know. Um, and so it's all about just kind of thinking about the goals you have and that may look so different, like you're saying, right? Like yeah. it may not be the same as another family. The resources are different, but trying to maximize the developmental experiences, I think is what both of us are getting at. Mm-hmm. And I think you would agree, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you bring a great point. I think just the way you've said, a lot of parents are like, you know, I watch tons of TV and I turned out fine, right? That's true. That's great. But again, we also have to recognize that it's not the media is not being made the way it was those days. So I think it's been made in a way that we have to recognize, like, is this being made in a way that's just grabbing their attention? So that in a way that's really capitalizing on their <laughs> kids, toddlers have attention that's all over the place. So is it just like pulling it in? So I think going back to that content, is it worthy? But I think the bigger umbrella term, just as you've said, is What's our philosophy as a family? How do we want to get through the days? How do we want to enjoy life? And I think if you've banged out the outdoors, we've played, we've done all this. Absolutely. I think if it'll enjoy, it'll maintain the sanity in the home. Absolutely. So sure. Thanks for that. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence Whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. 
On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. You made it halfway through an episode, so you must be loving the show. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel where I share answers to all of the common topics submitted to me regarding child health, development, and debunking all that misinformation you hear online. My goal is for PDT to be a one-stop shop for your searching needs. Bye-bye late-night Googling. So make sure to go to YouTube and search Peds Doc Talk TV. Hit that subscribe button and binge watch all the amazing episodes and episodes to come. Have suggestions for future videos? Make sure to chat in the community section on my YouTube channel. Yeah, and I think, you know, when you're coming up um, with your philosophy and your rules, if you want to use the word, but you said that perfectly, like we're recording this at a time where we're going through back-to-back illnesses, which I'm sure a lot of families have gone through. I work from home four days a week and I have a husband who works outside of the home on irregular hours. And so sometimes it's just me and my son, or sometimes it's my tired husband and my son. And we talk to each other. I'm like, Hey, did Ryan have any screen time in the morning? And my husband goes, no. And he's, I'm like, Oh, that's great. Let's do a little more in the afternoon. Or he had a lot in the morning and we're like, you know what? Let's get outside now. We have to really, you know, I got my work done in the morning while he was watching screens and he did some independent play and then he wanted me. So let's now take the break and go outside. But it really is about having those conversations. If you don't have a partner, it's just having that conversation with yourself and saying, can I cut back? Mm-hmm. I, yeah. You know, I don't want parents to feel, again, I don't think anyone's going to feel shamed about screens when they listen to this, but really remembering that it's just about making things better for everybody, but also understanding the resources you have. And so that's why I'm not ever going to say, you must keep it under an hour or you must do X, Y, and Z. Because like you said perfectly, it may not work, but it's saying, how can I be better? How can I make this situation better for everyone? And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when I look at the recommendations, you know, from the American Academy and the Canadian Academy of Pediatricians, they're great recommendations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You have to really know what's going to maintain the sanity in your home. And I think just that being able to communicate with your partner, your significant other, and even if you're in a single parent home, really just trying your best. And I know it's easier said than done to be able to know, okay, I think we've had quite a long screen time day. How can we go outside and try something else? No, this is all great. And I think, you know, parents hopefully are understanding that balanced perspective that we're trying to bring here. I'm just curious. And again, this may look different for every family, but in your family, do you have any screen time non-negotiables. Um, do you, mm-hmm. uh, maybe you don't like that word because it, it's too rigid, but just in general, like things that you try to avoid as much as humanely possible. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah, like that. Um, you're right. When I started this work um, in 2019, I had one of the points in our like toolbox, like number one, do not negotiate your non-negotiables. It's screen time. But, you know, the more work I did, the more research I did, the more I realized, you know, your mental health will get you before any 
screen time guilt, right? So you have to choose as a parent which screen time hill you're willing to die on. But I think for me, the biggest thing is really having places in your home or times in your day where we're not going to engage with screens. And I think that just being a regular rhythm of the family. So number one, I think the biggest is the family dinner table. You know, studies have shown the benefits of family dinner in the early years as far as language development, storytelling. And later in adolescent years, they have linked it to lower levels of depression, anxiety in the later years. And I got this research from the Family Dinner Project that's out in Boston. So the family dinner is such a great place where we can just connect. How was your day? And you can make it fun because as anyone knows, maybe most of the listeners have younger kids, but even adult kids, if you ask a teenager, how was your day? Fine. So you can make it fun. You can play games. So my kids are three and five. So we play this game at the dinner table called the rose bud analogy. So we ask, what were your roses? What were your easy things of the day? What happened to you in school? And we found that they actually have things to talk about. So they'll say, oh, my heart was this person pushed me at recess or this or this happened. And what was your easy thing? So they say, oh, I enjoyed when the teacher called my name in preschool or daycare. So finding ways to make the family dinner fun. And even as adults, I find me and my husband, we start really reflecting on our day. Oh, that was hard for me. Like I was stuck in traffic for like an hour. So the family dinner is it's one of those places where you really want to preserve them. And number two is transition times. So that's like um, when we get home from daycare or from preschool or from school or first thing in the morning, especially from preschool, I noticed they are very hyper, I think I would say overstimulated. You know, you've just been the whole day being told what to do, where to sit, where to move. So you get home, you're just like, ah, so those are times, transition times, I call them, where you really just want to calm the tempo whether it will mean putting on a podcast, an audio podcast for kids they could listen to, or just calming music, transition them now back into your home environment. Okay, so now you're home, you're safe, you're home. You're basically, you can do what you need to do to get you through the evening. And again, that independent play. But if they're looking for connection, which they probably are, just being able to provide that connection over those transition times when they come from school, is so helpful. So I think for me, my screen time non-negotiables as our home is really those transition times, family dinner, one hour before bedtime. And I say one hour before bedtime, it's because because you just want them to kind of also settle down. So settling down, get your body, your brain settling down into a like, okay, it's bedtime. We're not stimulating our nervous system, watching shows that are like so stimulating. And first thing in the morning, again, those important neural connections. So that way they're not like screen seeking first thing in the morning. So I think that those are the two that I would say. And I think this is so important for adults too, right? I mean, we, I talk about this with my husband all the time that we also as a society, as adults, like the first thing we reach for is our phone. And I am very big on actually, I have a timer where I can't get into my phone until a certain time. So I have to wake up. Like I set it for a half an hour after I wake up. So meaning even if I have my phone, all the apps are shut down until 7.30. 7.30 is when I can actually get into any of my apps so that I'm forced because I wasn't able to. I had to create some control. But everything that you're talking about is so important. And like we said at the beginning, tying it all Mm -hmm. in, like as your job, you know, working with adults and obviously mental health, like Mm -hmm. we're trying to just create a good relationship with screens 
as yeah. we would with anything else in our lives, because this is something that will be very beneficial for our children um, and also for ourselves. I think we're all guilty of overusing screens and cell phones and social media and all that stuff because it's so accessible. And yeah. I do believe that it's having a huge impact on our mental health as adults, not yeah. so much the kids in mental health, but you're <laughs> yeah. describing the developmental aspect. But later in life, I want to help them with their mental health as well. Um, and these are the seeds that we're planting, which I think is so helpful. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I like, you know, this is just such a great conversation. I think maybe we have to have you back on to talk about the mental health, yes. what's happening in, with mental health and digital wellness, yeah. because that is a huge area of passion of mine, especially yeah. in the parenting world on social media. But I like to end this just by asking my guests, like a question from a parenting perspective. Obviously, um, mm-hmm. you're a parent of two children. Tell me your biggest parenting high and your biggest parenting low. I love hearing this because it really opens us up to your world and also just teaches people about the ups and downs and how we're all human. And I love it. So tell me what you would think this would be for you. Oh, my goodness. I think about the lows. There are many lows. (laughs) But the one that I remember was when my son was in daycare. He was in preschool. I think he was three at the time. So he went to this preschool where you had the ability to like tune into the day. You could log onto the app and kind of see the class, which thinking later, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about that. But anyway, so halfway through the day, I'm like, oh, let me see what my son is doing. So I zoom in and I see, oh, all the other kids, it was show and tell. So I see my son there sitting with no toy. And then I'm like, oh, no, was it today? So I call my husband up. I'm like, honey, did you send him with a toy? It's show and tell. So he didn't have a toy. He was just sitting there. And I know he was like looking forward to it. I have no idea how he missed missed to send him with his favorite cat boy, little thing, boy, little cat boy. So he came home and he was like, oh, my friends were having this show and tell. So me and my husband were just looking at each other like, oh, honey. So we kind of had to like have him do a little presentation for us. But yeah, it was like big, epic fail. We forgot. We were busy for sure. I've been there too. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I think for us, my biggest parenting victory was just the other day. So at pickup, one parent was picking up her child and then she sees me picking my daughter and she goes like, oh, your daughter was so, um, my son was having a hard time at drop off. So my daughter walked up to him and gave him a hug and said, you are safe. And he just kind of settled in and I was like, my job is done as a parent. So I think that was a little victory for me because I want my kids to grow up to to see the heart and reach across the table and not look the other way when someone is hurting. So I was like, ah, that's a little yippee for me. So yeah. Oh, I that's so beautiful. I love hearing my guests tell me this because it just it really helps um show the families that are listening um, that, you know, we're human. And then also just the beautiful thing that you mentioned, like the goals that we all, you know, we have as parents, I think is so nice to hear. Well, yeah. Penny, tell me where people can find you again. Um, and, you know, website, Instagram, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So just like you said at the beginning, so on Instagram screens, underscore N underscore kids. So I post updates. I have a podcast as well. So I engage the experts. So those people who are knee deep in the work, doing the research, And then I bring it into a form that's easily palatable for just a mom trying to make dinner or a dad. So we have a podcast as well by the same name, Screens and Kids on Spotify, Apple um, and on Instagram as well. So, yeah. Oh, thank you. I'll be linking all of this in my show notes, everyone. And again, Penny, thank you for joining us today. 
This was so great. As always, everyone, please make sure to share this on social media. Tag me and screen underscore and underscore kids. Um, that's Penny's account on Instagram. If you love this episode, leave a review and a rating because it does help this podcast grow. And Penny, thanks again for joining us today. Awesome. Thank you, Mona. And all the best with your family as you transition with sick time and all of that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at PedsDocTalk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, TV. We'll talk to you soon. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.